Dag Nabbit. Guess what time it is? It's time for the Humane Roundup podcast with your host, Ashley Bishop. <laughs> what is going on with you, Bishop? I, not just me, but good grief. I mean, it's the Humane Roundup podcast. Podcast. Podcast with your hoe. I'm not your a hoe. Well, I, I am the PD no. hoe. <laughs> no, you, you the host. With your, I ain't got no teeth. It's the Humane Roundup. We appreciate y'all tuning in. If you made it past that opening, you'll make it the whole episode. That's why I do that. You know what I mean? It's good. Uh, if you haven't checked out the new the new rap that I just decided to do, it's it's on the podcast links, uh, so you can check that out. It's a rap dedicated to not being called a dog catcher, and uh, it's gotten some pretty good reviews. It's fun, funny. I'm not the best rapper, but I still go in. I go in, um, but it's made for y'all. You can share it and. Maybe people will listen to it. So uh, have you listened to it, Bishop? I listened to part of it, but when I found it, I was in the middle of a house with like oh. six children. You should have put it screaming. on with all the kids. <laughs> They'd have been like, this This shit is hard, mom. <laughs> this dude's got bars. Yeah. I mean, my kids listen to the 90s, so. Mm. Well, it was, it was a spur of the moment thing. I've been thinking about doing it for a long time. And, you know, I just. I just decided one night to uh, get in the booth and there it is. Boom. You know? So, and speaking of that, the whole point of bringing, even bringing that up is today we're going to talk about really community engagement, stuff like that. Like how do we get the buy-in from our communities? What can we do that's creative? You know, I had people reach out and I actually need to send some things over, you know, just those type of things are really important for changing our image. Mm Mm-hmm. So what do you do, Bishop? Um, well, for one, my my pause and protect where I have my free rabies vaccines and $10 microchips. So the requirement is the licensing. Um, but just trying to, I'm there, I'm in uniform, you know, talking to people as they're bringing their pets in and trying to explain to them and every single time I deal with anybody and I get the, well, you're just going to take it to a no kill facility or something or, or something like that. I, first of all, bite my tongue really, really, really hard and try not to just unleash on them. Um, But I educate them on what my job actually is and what the shelter's job is and that our I will not, I'm, I'm going to bring it up again. I will not say that they are no kill and I will not say, you know, we're going to save them, whatever. But I do put it out there like, hey, our shelter's got a 93% live release rate. Well, technically you're no kill. I, th- we can technically be that, but I'm not going to someone's those mad, words out yo. there. <laughs> someone's mad. mad. I feel like Brent did not get through <laughs> to you in the last episode. If you missed the last episode with <laughs> Best Friends, please check that out. It was a really good episode. We talked to Brett Tolner and, and really discussed some of the, the terminology, no kill, and the, <clears throat> the idea and concept behind it. And it feels like, Bishop, I'm not going to put words in your mouth because you're your own person, but it feels like that episode did not necessarily convince you it didn't convince me that we need to be using those words no it i love the work i love the um prospect of everybody being able to have a 90 percent live release rate if it's feasible um i don't 
I don't like using. So how does that, okay. How does that, how does that even come up when we talk about community engagement? Like why is your first thing going to there? Are you still just hot about it from last episode? What's going on? Um, no, it's just the thing that I hear so much. So can't you use that as an opportunity to educate and say like, yeah, you know, that's their slogan. That's their brand. If you will, uh, they use that and here's what it means. And here's what we do here. We don't use that typical language, but we, you know, have uh, nobody, nobody around here. I have not heard the word best friends around here, like ever at, within our community. Okay. Um, so it is 100% just the community saying, oh, it's a kill shelter, or is I want this animal to go to a no kill shelter. And those are the only words that they're using. They have no association with best friends. Okay. Um, and that's, that's what I, I try to change. Like, hey, nope, 90% live release rate. This is what they do, you know, as long as it's healthy and it's adoptable because it's not aggressive yet they they do everything they possibly can and and I go that route because honestly I don't I have never heard best friends around here um and so I don't think anybody knows who that is okay so what do you do for positive community engagement um I go out to the schools and I'm uh not so much in the elementary schools I'm I would like to be out there more, but the the schools are a little different around here as far as bringing other people in and stuff. But I go out to the colleges and stuff too and speak there about my position. I mean, you're in Wisconsin, so isn't it like K through 12 in all one building? No. <laughs> there, in some of, some of the rural areas, yes. Um, but no, we've... And that's a whole nother thing because they're looking at restructuring. But um, the big thing for me is is the pause and protect and meeting up with individual community members as I'm able. There's there's some some of it is a lack of support of being able to do things like um so our police department had baseball cards made for each of the officers. Oh, that's fun. I like that. Except I was not included in that. That's lame because that's lame. Yeah. And I have had, I've had a lot of people ask me for them, um, but I was not included. So doing little things like that, or even having the stickers and the badges, I don't have the support within my agency to have those things available. Hmm. But I try to do the connections with the kids, especially on individual cases, you know, when I can and things like that. And I always take the time. If somebody calls me, emails me and says, Hey, I want to learn more about what you do. Hey, come on, come do a ride along with me. I'll email you. I'll talk to you forever. Ask me all your questions. I just don't have as much of an opportunity as I would like. Well, we're going to work on that today, and we're going to bring our guest here, uh, Lauren Malmberg, on. She's a friend of the show. She's somebody that's uh, been on a few times. She she's you know got a lot of experience in the field, and we're going to talk about kind of some of this community engagement and maybe some of her ideas too. Uh, Lauren, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here. 
It's good, good to have you. And I, I I hear Bishop, and I don't know if it's just me, Lauren, but I what I'm hearing, and Bishop, correct me if I'm wrong, is a little bit of frustration coming from you. It feels like you're not able to do more, and maybe you want to do more. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be fair. Well, I can sure appreciate the frustration when I came into animal control. I was appalled at the public image that the organization or the agency had because I, I got it. I mean, I understood that we are important public safety department. We are essential to the benefit of animals in our community as well as people. And I was appalled at how we were thought of generally. So I kind of, I shared your frustration, but I kind of took it as a challenge and I thought, you know what, we're going to, we got to do something about this. This is crazy. Because I know what kind of a person, I mean, I am and how I feel about the animal situation. And all the people I worked with were good people who really wanted to do a good job. And for us to carry this connotation uh, that we were dog catchers or worse, dog killers, um, and that you didn't want it going to the pound and all of that kind of stuff, I I was so frustrated by that. I took it as a challenge and and tried to do some different stuff. People so talk, are surprised like, at. <laughs> I, I guess let me jump in really quick, Lauren, because this is this is my baby. I, I love community engagement, right? I put myself out there and made a corny ass rap for people to listen to. And maybe it's not that corny, but you know, I'm from the streets, so my, my peeps might be like, bro, that's corny. But real talk, like I feel that that is the biggest part of our profession where we can really change the image. And, you know, a lot of you know this about me, but I'm going to share. I, I've done a lot of things throughout my career. One of the first things I really did to to get involved in community outreach was I stopped by Purina. When I worked in Denver, I just stopped. I was like, you know what? It's in our jurisdiction. I ain't got anything else to do. I'm going to just pull up and figure something out. I go in, you have to like go through all these security clearances and like I knock, you know, I, I get in and I'm like, Hey, you know, I explained who I am. I told him I worked for Denver at the time that we're animal control and people have this image of us. I'm just wondering, can y'all donate treats to the shelter or to animal control? And it took, I don't know, probably like four to six weeks to get everything approved. And then we just, we just came out and picked up pallets of treats that they gave for free. And the whole purpose of this was to, when you saw somebody in the community walking their dog on leash, you just, or, I mean, it could be a variation of anything, but you would just pull up and jump out the truck and scare the crap out of them. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then, and then you would be like, here's a, here's a bag of treats. Thank you for being a responsible pet owner. And one of our partners uh, that I worked with a uh, shout out, Jenna Humphreys, she came up with the idea to add like a l- little bit of language to it as well uh, to really sh- say like, Hey, thank you. And then they could read a little bit about the shelter too. And I thought that was really important because that, that moment happened so quickly and there's, you know, some, probably some emotion too. Like, why is this person in a uniform that could potentially like take my dog away from me stopping and talking to me? So it gave them an opportunity from there to then read a little bit more about the shelter, go to the website, et cetera. And so I thought that was a good addition to that program. Uh, That was, that was, that, that program there was really the, catalyst of like, yes, I like it. And then uh, we've had, we've had Todd Stosi on from Santa Cruz. Has he been on the show? I feel like he's been on yes, the show. Yes, I'm okay. pretty sure. All right. If he hasn't, we'll get him on the show. I feel like he's been on the show. This is what happens when you do all these episodes. 
but he's like the master of community engagement. And we could talk a little bit more about what he does here in a little bit, but Lauren, that, that was for me and, and Bishop, that was for me, the moment of like, we can impact our community for good and they can see us differently because if we have the buy-in from the community, I think we can help more people and animals. Well, I agree. I think we have to have the buy-in from the community to be able to do our job uh, successfully and effectively. We have to have their support, their buy-in, their um, appreciation for us to continue. I mean, just even down to the budget portion of it, we are, you know, supported by tax dollars or registration fees in most for most communities. So for people to you know put their money in support of us, we need to have their buy-in. Absolutely. One of the things that I was real was real important to me when I started is that um, I wanted I wanted us as as staff to be proud of the work that we do and not try to change the words or cover it up or or pretend like things aren't happening. I wanted us to take ownership of the work that we do because it's important work and it's meaningful. And no, it is not saving every animal's life or adopting every animal out. Our job, first and foremost, is to protect the public from rabies as well as, you know, bad animals or straying animals. So I I wanted us to be proud of that. And I wanted us to um, just take take responsibility for it. Yes, I, I work in animal control and I'm proud of it. And I wanted us to model the behavior. I wanted us to put our best foot forward. I mean, this is just basic stuff, you know, like behaving professionally when you're in the field and showing up in a clean uniform and that your truck's not filthy and you don't open the door and crap falls out of it. And, um, you're prepared, uh, and that you know your law and you can answer questions and just all of those things that go along with being, um, a good employee. Because besides the fact that we have a bad rap for being in animal control, sometimes we also get that bad rap because we are government employees. And so every time we behave in a rude manner, or if we're short with someone or if we can't get something done like we we should be able to, um, we you know that just adds to somebody's already preconceived notion about government employees in general and animal control in particular. So I always wanted us to be a a resource or be a, a model for um, the behavior that we wanted to see and act professionally and do all those basic things. That was the start. I don't know if you can hear me pouring my tea. I apologize. I wasn't peeing people. That would be a bad image of uh, animal control. <clears throat> Lauren, I, I absolutely love it. And Bishop, I, I understand your sentiment as well. And I think from the aspect of where we are professionally, like we're still kind of, we're trending a little bit behind the shelters. I feel like shelters have a better image and name than we do. They break it. They've broken that mold of the dog pound, though it's still in some people's vocabulary. It's, um, it's definitely, you know, it's not, they, they've gotten more professional in the eyes of the community. They've done a better job. And I think we need to continue to do that. So, you know, whether it's creating, whether it's creating, you know, rap music videos or country music videos to support us or having, you know, cute schemes, et cetera. Um, Those are important things, right? Definitely important to have our community behind us because then they can see us as real people. Absolutely. And, and the thing, the other thing I wanted to 
to kind of throw out there is that I think we need to take a leadership role in animal welfare. Too often we sit back and let um, some of the national groups or some of the um, more politically active groups to step in and change our laws. And we tend to be on the um, responding end, the reactive end, instead of the proactive end. And I think we should take a lead in that. I think we should take responsibility. We know better than most people what would be helpful in legislation for us to do our jobs more effectively all the way around. So we should be taking that lead, which means we reach out, we make friends with people in power, whether they be on the county board or the city council. Um, We show up at those meetings. We carry our message everywhere. Um, We meet our state legislators. We position ourselves as a resource. Um, My goal was always that if an animal bill came up in the state legislature, would be that my senator or my representative would call me and say, Lauren, this is coming. What do you think? And Mm -hmm. so that's where you want to be so that you're not on the reactive end. You get to have... You get to have a voice in it. You can offer up suggestions for what would make a good, effective law for you to enforce to protect people and animals. It should come from us. We're the ones, we're the experts. We're the ones doing the work. I completely agree with you. And here in Colorado, we currently have a, a setup where it seems like the people that are more known in the shelter world have a bigger voice in some of the legislation legislative stuff than the actual feet on the ground the boots on the ground and i i'm trying to help change that where just being present in those meetings being available for questions because with all due respect i mean i think the people in the shelter have great experiences and and great uh you know references and things to bring and, and they're probably a voice for others but they're not the ones in the field, right? And so we have to get those people with those boots on the ground. So we have a legislative here uh, meetings for the first once a month for the first four months of the new year. And sometimes it's stuff that doesn't pertain to animal control of the field, but it's still important for us to be part of that and be there. And so I, I completely agree with you, Lauren. I think doing those things, being involved in, in some of those in some of those projects is super important. And one thing to go back on, you know, I talked about the, the treats that I did, you know, that the, these are all tangible, easy things to do. You can get, you can get donated items to give away to people. You know, I bought a bunch of those match matchbox trucks a couple years ago and shout out to Mattel. I wish they were quicker to work with, <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, you know, that was something that I purchased with my own money. My department did not purchase that. I gave away items with my own money. Like it was worth it to me to help create a better image in the community. But those are, those are the, you can do those pretty easy. You can, you know, right now there's many deals on, on the internet. You can buy like cool cards like Bishop was talking about earlier. You can make, you know, little baseball cards or, you know, put your pet on it, you know, just to make it more personal. But when we talk about professional, that's, for me, that's the big one. And so when I, you know, came to my new department, I, it took a little bit, but I found that there was a a gap in our bite reports with our local medical facilities. And so I asked my supervisor, I was like, are you good if I revise this? And she was like, yeah, it's fine. Uh, Shout out. She's the best. And um, she really is. She's so supportive. But anyway, um, so I make this thing send it out, get some feedback from public health, boom, 
and now it's in all the hospitals and it makes us as animal control look a little more professional. So those are also some of the things that you can do. Exactly. I think we need to be um, position ourselves as the as the resource, in addition to being leader, we, I used to do, um, and I know this is a completely different age in media because this was back before Facebook was so popular and all the other social media, but I did, um, I, I created a press packet and then I started sending out a news release once a month. Um, and because the media was so desperate for news, they would, you know, call you up, you know, is January is what do you do with your pet in cold weather? And um, March was leave those wildlife babies alone. And April was prevent a litter month. And May was be kind and all that stuff. We would just continually send different news releases out so that it would spur somebody who was looking for an ad to come to us where we could talk to them. And then you can send your message any way you can frame your message any way you want it. The other benefit of that is that you tend to make a relationship with the reporters as well as the um, photographers and you get to, they call you when something does come up, they call you, you know, it, I, I wanted us to be the face of animal protection as well as public safety about animals in our community. So when a bad dog bite occurred, they called us when, um, you know, anything happened, the cold, they were calling us for information when they identified a problem. And so we got to, to frame that message and we got to frame that conversation. So that was very helpful. Then I, um, was able to get a, a guest appearance thing on a, one of our morning shows. Cause they're, they're desperate for, for people to talk to and interview. And so I was on on a monthly basis on our early morning news program. And I gave a a list of topics that we could talk about for, and I was there for years because we had a different topic every time. And, and you can't make it all, you can't make it all about um, promoting your next event or whatever. And you need to be frank. You know, I, I, there were times when I would say, you know what, if your dog is outside without shelter in this bad weather, you're going to receive a ticket and the animal's going to be impounded. I mean, you, you know, you're just very blunt about certain things and you make a lot of um, friends from those people who are sure you're not doing anything when they call in about that dog without shelter. So that was another way we tried to be position ourselves in the community so that we were seen as the authority on animal mm-hmm. welfare. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got a pipsqueak junior in the house. Which one's that? Uh, that's probably trouble. I love it. That's great. <laughs> Shout out trouble. <sighs> Going back a little bit to the uh, professional image. Um, and you had mentioned uniforms. What is your stance on the uniforms? Are you more of a polo and khakis or a button-down police-type uniform? Well, I imagine you already know my answer because I tend to be a bit hardcore, I know. But I believe that the uniform, I think it sends a message that you are here in a serious professional capacity. And I think it provides an element of protection in some, as, as people recognize your authority. I think somebody showing up 
in more casual clothing, um, you know, there was a, there's a school of thought that that doesn't ratchet up the anxiety of the party that you're speaking to. But I, you know, I just favor the, the uniform and the, and the very, uh, we're law enforcement. We do enforce the law, whether people think that's true or not, we are enforcing the law. And I think I don't see police officers walking around in polo shirts and khakis. So I, I just think it carries the wrong, true, a better Look, message. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to be this guy. Here's the deal. I am not in favor of removing the badge. So I know some agencies has made animal control like public works where they just have a name and a County logo or city logo on their shirt. That's not, I'm not a fan of that. Not at all. I think there needs to be a little bit of a command presence. I am, however, in favor of uniforms being more casual. And here's why. Because it's a mindset for the officers too. And there's no need for us to look like we're in these class A uniforms and about to beat somebody's door down. I teach a class on verbal de-escalation and how to communicate with the public. So what's important is your uniform is clean. So we're going to green pants and khaki shirts. Uh, it's, it's the same. If you want to Google it, it's the same colors of uh, LA County Sheriff's office. Uh, it's more of like a forest park ranger. Now I do work in the mountains, so I get it. I will say though, it's a, it's a better look for the community. When I worked in Denver, they got dark Navy blue. They look almost identical to Denver police. And it's just, it's not necessary. I, I don't think it is. It's still a polo shirt, but it's a dark navy blue shirt. It still has the badge on it. And that's the important part. But your command presence, how you walk up to the door, your body language, right? Are you confident in your in your uniform? Are you confident in your job? I, you know, I think that's the main thing. And, and I had this conversation with somebody in North Carolina at the North Carolina Animal and Rabies Conference uh, back a couple months ago. And I think they, they told me that they're, you know, they're, they're really relaxed, like jeans and a t-shirt. I was like, Hey, if it works for you, it works for you. I just think that there has to be an established position of, you know, Hey, I'm representing this agency. Here's my role. And here's why I'm here. And I think people will respect that regardless of what we look like, unless you have like a dirty uniform looking like you just rolled out of bed, et cetera. I think then that's an issue. And well, I don't, I I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say I, I disagree with Dan. Um, I think when you take the uniform, and like Lauren said, we are law enforcement. Um, take the uniform, but still apply a community-based policing effect to it. And you're still working within your community and in doing all of these other things um, I constantly, even in my uniform and I can't, I mean, I had a polo for a long time. Um, I hated it cause the kitten claws would <laughs> always pull the strings out. Yeah. Make it pill. Yep. Um, but I already get the, eh, you're the humane society. No, I'm not the Humane Society. I'm enforcing laws here. You you really do have to listen to what I am saying um, because all they hear from me, and, and I know it's different. We've got how many different names out there. 
but being a humane officer, they, they stop at that humane. Um, so that's definitely frustrating for me, but when we talk about wanting a singular name because the police officers countrywide are police officers or deputies and then you have your your deputies so you have those two variations <clears throat> they all wear a similar uniform because they are then easily identified as law enforcement and that's I mean, where our, I our deputies our deputies wear the green pants and the tan like we're going to match our deputies the only difference is we're going to instead of us having the button down tan shirt is going to be the polo tan and then we're going to have outer carriers in green. So I hear what you're saying. I think what we need to do and don't take this personally is drop our fucking egos and say, Hey, like we can, we can be softer in our look and still be as important in the community as we need to be. That's my opinion on it. Like I look at, like I look at Denver and it's like this hard Navy blue, Navy blue. Like they just, they don't need that approach. And I don't care. Honestly, I, I really don't care what you wear. Like, if you want to wear that, that's fine. It's how you talk to people at the end of the day. It's how you, right, establish a rapport with people at the end of the day. That's what matters. And, you know, I just feel like where where my community lies currently, it's a great approach for us. Like, I, I like that look. It may be different in Compton, California. It may be different in Oakland, California or Houston, Texas. At the same time, though, if we want to like feel part of the community, we have to also be able to bend and mold to what works there as well. You know, Dan, I, I couldn't agree more with a couple of the things that you said, <laughs> one being that what works in one community doesn't necessarily work in another. Yeah. And I think that everybody should adjust to whatever works best for them. Um, and and but I do want to tell this isn't about ego for me. This is about identifiability. And you're you're right. It's how you approach people that's going to carry the day anyway. I mean, people walk up in uniform and and can botch an interview that a person who walked up in a polo shirt and khakis did well because it's in the matter of how they approach them and their mm -hmm. body language, their their words, their their demeanor, all of that. But when I think about my officer walking around the side of a house to take a look at something and somebody looking out the window, I want them to see a uniform, not the back of a guy wearing a polo shirt who they don't know who it, you know, that would cause alarm that there was, you know, I just see it as more identifiable. They immediately are identified as a person of authority before any, com any conversation takes place. I think that provides just a little bit of protection to them um, as opposed to wandering around somebody's property in a polo shirt and khakis where they don't know who you are, where you're from or what you're doing. Yeah. But that if polo shirt's going to have information on it, right? You're oh, going to yeah. look, you're going to look like most, I would imagine everybody's wearing a duty belt. Like you're going to look official. There's going to be a badge on your waist or a badge on your uniform. And maybe on the back, it's going to say, I don't know if they can fit 30 plus names on it. It could say <laughs> dog catcher, dog, warden, <laughs> dog, dog daycare attendant. I don't know what they're going to put on the back of that. But at the end of the day, I hear you. I have no issues, truthfully. Like if whatever works for your community is important. Um, like speaking of Todd Stosey out and we talked about him earlier. 
he in Santa Cruz, homeboy wears freaking sandals <laughs> on duty, <laughs> like real talk. He's outside with sandals on, looking like a member of ZZ Top, but it's fine. It, it works for him. So Carrying it's a also surfboard. Santa Cruz. He's probably walking around with a bong in one hand and a ticket book in the other. Hopefully he doesn't get bit. <laughs> on a foot, a little yeah. chihuahua comes up and snack. Hey, you know what? So, you saw my bite. It was a dachshund. Mm. You should see my That was a out. good bite. Yeah, that was a good bite. So, okay, we talked about some of those good things, and and just putting resources available for for people is important. So, I always bring this up in trainings. You know, if you reach out to your local State Farm agent, your insurance agent in your mm-hmm. community, you can ask them for the coloring book. It's called Fido Friend or Foe, and it's really well bound. It's a it's a really nice coloring book, and it's mm-hmm. free. And they do this obviously to offset, hopefully offset bites because a lot of insurance money goes to paying victims of the bites. And so again, Fido, friend or foe, it's a coloring book from State Farm. You call your agent, they may or may not know about it, but just say, hey, other animal control officers have utilized this in the past. Is there a way that you can get this book to me? And and they should be able to find it. It's, it's It's really helpful. I have a free coloring book that if you want to reach out to me daniel at humanemain.com uh you just shoot me an email don't hate uh daniel at humanemain.com i have a free coloring book it's in english and spanish you just have to credit uh, you'll see it on there you just have to credit the agency that initially came up with it but that's free you can print it you can print it professionally or just print it on your printer at, at the office and give that out i always tell people to go to like their rec center and just say, Hey, if you have any leftover tennis balls, can we pick those up once a month, et cetera. And then what I usually do with those is I just walk into a dog park, dump those and, and walk out and people just look around like, is there antifreeze on those tennis balls? Is he trying to poison all the dogs? Uh, no, I'll stop and talk with people and just say, Hey, you know, we want to give back to the community. Uh, you have any questions, et cetera. And so those are the important things, right? Like you can make those little impacts, be, be creative, right? Uh, start your own YouTube channel if you can for your shelter. I know my man Al. We met him down and we saw him down in, uh, and he was on Texas. the show. So Texas Attacker, yeah. So check that out. His episode. He does some great stuff via YouTube, right, to build that relationships in, in his community, right, and have people from the community engage and be part of that. Like we're in such a social media climate that you can really build it up. I just, you know started a TikTok page for the podcast slash the the brand Humane Maine uh, to really keep people engaged in that aspect. So there's a lot of things we can be doing creatively to involve the community. And and I think that's what's important is just think outside the box and find ways to engage. I think those new ideas are fantastic, but I also want to go back to, we also need to make sure we have good relationships with other animal groups in our community. Um, I hate the fact that in this field, more than anywhere else, there's so much infighting between animal welfare, animal control, animal shelters, animal rights. I mean, somebody is always standing there ready to bash. Um, and I've been, I've been in meetings with legislators where a, a national group called me an animal killer, a dog killer. So wow. you, it, it, it is, it is not only completely demoralizing to you personally, but it also, um, colors that legislators look at you. So, um, you want to make sure you have a working relationship. We can't all, uh, 
we We're don't always going to agree, but we are. And, you know, I, I really want those people who are running shelters that are limited admission or they're running rescues where they're only accepting certain animals to um, do us the courtesy uh, of not commenting on us publicly. Um, we, we had to, to come to come to uh, a meeting with some groups who were pulling animals from our facility and then posting them on Facebook saying rescued from a high kill shelter. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or they would, um, and this is after we rescued the dog, vetted the dog, transferred the dog to them at no charge, and they sold it (laughs) for (laughs) a couple hundred dollars more than we are than our adoption fee. And yet they rescued it from us. So um, we want to make sure that we can help those groups manage their message better when they're working with us. We don't expect them to agree with everything they, they say to us or say, uh, we don't expect them to agree with everything that we do, but we would hope that they would monitor as we should our comments to the public outside of our, outside of our field so that there isn't this public idea that those are the good guys. We are the bad. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, that can we just because I'm gonna get on I'm, Bishop, you may not need to knock me down a peg here. <laughs> that hate from our fellow officers as well. Y'all need to chill the fuck out. So like, look, I know I'm not perfect. And I know I have probably a reputation. At the end of the day, if you can't separate your own self and see that we're here for the bigger picture, and that's to help animals then something's wrong in your brain. And so I don't hate any of these officers out there. I have history with some at my old agency and their insecurities allow that to motivate or, or maybe not motivate, but fuel their decision-making. So I'm doing a training. Well, this, this will probably air after the training. And I know for a fact, my old supervisor won't send anybody because he just doesn't like me period. And that's just so lame. Like, and they can cite whatever they want to justify their reason. It's a free training. You know, these trainings, it's not that I just like make up stuff and then hand out training. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into these classes. And so this hate that we have in our community of officers as well, that shit needs to stop. And I can say that for other people that I'm friends with in this community, I know, and I'm not going to name names, but I know other people have this reputation. Look, you don't have to necessarily like people as friends, right? That's, that's not what we're asking. Not like all dogs like each other. <laughs> Correct. But my point is like support what we're doing to help the community. Unless what we're doing is truly going to hurt the community, then say something. Step up and be like, hey, this isn't right. And I think that's important. Give that feedback versus having little grumblings under your voice. Oh, this person does this or I don't trust this person's integrity or they're going to talk bad about our department, blah, blah, blah. Let your insecurities go. Support your officers, support your teams, right? That's what's important. You know, go check out Joe the ACO on Etsy and buy some of his shit, right? Go check out my stuff on my website and buy some of my shit. Poundmaster, I don't know if y'all are still making stuff, but if you're making stuff, go buy some of their shit. Support your people in this community versus just supporting some rando that you don't even know, right? And I think that's what's important. So shout out to all those people that do support us and do support, you know, animal control and what we're trying to do. We, again, you don't have to like me. I appreciate you listening to the episode, right? I, this is why we do this stuff is to, to give back to the community. So you have different ideas and your voice can be heard if you have questions or want to want to have things 
expressed in this, you know, in this realm. Like that's why we're here. There's another podcast out there finally. And I say that not to like knock anybody else, but you know, we've had Kevin Hurst on multiple times and he has a crime. Don't fuck up the crime scene podcast. That's related to our profession. Like we support that. That's important to us. And so I guess, you know, just getting off my soapbox there. I just want people to understand that it's okay to not necessarily like somebody as a person, but still support what they're doing to this community because they're trying to help just like everybody else is. You know what? I, I, that's, that's been my mantra for years. You know, here's the deal. I don't like everybody. Everybody doesn't like me. Um, but in our work, I would expect that all of us behave in a professional manner and with an eye toward improving the job, improving the situation for the public and improving the situation for animals. I can, I can set aside my dislike of an individual person if it means that we're going to move ahead. Your personal feelings should not have anything to do with how you behave in a professional setting. You need to behave as I keep saying the word professional, but it's just, it's, it's things like this that just push me over the edge. Well, you know, I don't like this. I don't like that. It's like when we talked about euthanasia, I, you know, when you talk about how I just, I can't bring myself to do it. Your feelings are the last thing that should come into consideration. This is about more than your feelings. This is about what is best for the animal. What is the community? community. Yeah. Yeah. Grow up. And you're not going to get along with everybody. Nobody's job is like that. You know, grow up. Ex- behave like a professional. Behave with some with some consistency, some character. Um, and treat people like you want to be treated. Even if you don't like them, how would you want them to treat you? That still is a good rule. You know, he, that's part of why maybe we're not even seeing some of the changes within the system, within the communities as quickly as maybe we could be. If we could just learn to work together, because one voice isn't loud enough for anybody to hear. But if you can set aside your differences, understand that you need to have a working professional relationship with others that doesn't mean an outside friendly relationship and work together to create a com- to to get to a common goal we're going to see changes a whole lot faster because one person cannot take on everything and to that respect and going back to what you were saying about the other rescue organizations and the other shelters. And I say, go out and talk to them, you know, go, go meet them and just shake their hand and say, Hey, listen, you know, here's what I do. I know that let me understand exactly what it is you do. Is there something that we can work on together? Or maybe not. Maybe it's just a, nope, we have different opinions, but then you've actually met them, you've talked to them, and you know it. You aren't only getting um, maybe the public's perception of them, just like, you know, they're probably getting the public's perception of you based on the fact that, oh, well, we took this dog from a high kill facility, so we rescued it. And I'm not saying, Lauren, that you guys haven't actually talked to them, but, you know, as, as a whole, 
is a hypothetical here, um, have a conversation with them and just be like, Hey, you know, our shelter has been really, really full. We're, we're doing the best that we can. You know, what else do you think we can do? It, open up those lines of communication. And I think you're exactly right, Bishop. But the problem is the people we need to reach, like the people that I'm talking about specifically, they're not listening to this show because they have this hate, right? They're like, ah, I wouldn't listen to that. That's, you know, and that's the thing is like, look. But it's the I'm, other people that are listening that need to go that reach out help. to them. True. I agree. I, I absolutely agree. And I'm, hey, I'm right here. If, if somebody thinks I'm doing something wrong, just, just say, hey, Daniel. I do all the time. Well, this is true. This is why I like you. (laughs) Honestly, like this is why we work is because we can have differing opinions and we can talk about it. Like that's what makes, I think that's what makes us work well. You know, I I don't know why I'm going to cite this, uh, but I am going to cite this because it's a, just an interesting conversation about like where we professionally need to step up sometimes when we see wrong. And so there was a recent case, this is not animal control related. It's, it's, uh, unfortunately it's, um, related to a death in Colorado in, in Clear Creek County, there was a gentleman where he got his car stuck and he called the sheriff's <laughs> office to, to come help him. I literally and just saw this in a training. It, well, I'm glad cause it's a great video for training. So and what ends up happening is this gentleman is appears to be suffering from a mental health episode. Crisis. Yeah. And the deputies that got on scene, just did not handle it well. Uh, there was one deputy in particular who is, I think, facing like 25 years to life now for uh, homicide. He you mean the one fired. that was on top of the Yes, and ends up car? shooting him and kills him. Exactly. But when you listen to the, when you watch the, the video, you watch the, nobody, there were six officers there. Nobody said to officer that's on top of the car, hey, John, or whatever his name is, I don't, I don't need to get into those specifics. John, come here for a second. Like, like dudes in the car, he's contained. There's no threat. Let, go, go sit in your car. Go turn on a radio. Go mm-hmm. listen to the Humane Roundup podcast. Just breathe. Like what you're doing right now is not working, bro. Like, and that's we need more of that. We need more responsibility from our peers in this field versus hate, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's my point. Is like if you see something that's not right, it's okay to just be like, hey, come here. Let me talk to you really, really quick. Whether you're in the field or somebody wants to hit me up outside of the show. Hey, Daniel, here's why I feel this way about you. Instead of just holding on to these insecure moments of like, <laughs> right. That's what's important. Call each other out in a good way. Cause that's how we build and get better. Mm-hmm. Don't be the neighbor that calls the police because the dog's barking instead of reaching out to the neighbor first and saying, Hey, your dog barks when you're not home. Don't be, don't be the grumpy old neighbor that only calls the police or sits there and just fumes about it and does nothing. Yeah, definitely. So I got that off my chest. I feel better about it. I'm here to help animals and people, period. If you don't know that about me, if you think I'm different, then you obviously are basically projecting your own feelings. That's, that's the reality. That's why we do this podcast every week. That's why we do some of the other social media stuff is, is really to help change the image. If anybody knows me personally, they know that's always been my goal and that'll never change. And if you think that Dan or I aren't here for those reasons, reach out to us and talk to us about it. 
Come on the show. It, it, Call me out, son. <laughs> well, well, but like at least on this, use it as a practice for real life experiences. You're not going to see us in person. The likelihood of you ever seeing us probably pretty slim unless, you know, you see us at a conference, something like that. You can ignore us. We're not going to know what you look like, but use it as a uh, practice to be able to reach out to the next person that you might actually see because they're in your community. Uh-huh. I agree. All right, Lauren, what else? Did we miss anything else about some <laughs> stuff about public public engagement and how to really do better in that world? Well, I, I the only other thing I had, uh, I had a couple of notes is just um, making sure that our behavior is above board. I mean, that's, that's the essential part is you don't ever want to be caught like that deputy in this situation that you were just describing you don't ever want to let your your anger your distress your anxiety whatever it is run away with you and put you in a position where you are not acting in the best interest of of everybody including yourself i mean i with the with today's capabilities technological capabilities you should always assume you're being recorded and you should mm-hmm. always assume you're being recorded verbally as well. I, I know of a situation where somebody stood on the porch and the the ring phone camera on the door taped a conversation between this officer and a police officer where some unfortunate things were said. Mm. And then the, the owner had a audio recording of it. Um, so you should always assume when you are out there in your uniform, behave accordingly. Um, always assume that you're being recorded. Don't discuss other people. Don't discuss cases or, or, you know, we've all seen those videos where they're filming a crime scene and there's police officers standing off on the side laughing. They're pro- they're not laughing about the crime scene, but, but they don't know that, right? Nobody know knows that, that because when yeah. that airs on television, the police department gets calls. What are those guys yucking it up for next yep. to the squad we have, car when there's a, a dead day? When there's a dead baby laying five feet Let me away. give you the perfect example. This actually happened. You can find it on the news. I used it in one of my PowerPoints. About seven, eight years ago, the on-call officer for the agency I worked for got a call for a dog hit by car. And there were people standing by. And they just wanted to help the dog, right? And PD would not let him. They wouldn't let him. And I don't know why. This dude was over. Like He took him 90 minutes to get there from home the officer. So his dog's laying in the middle of the road, dying. People are watching and just want to help. They're like, let us take it to the damn vet. And the cops would not do it. And by the time he gets out there, the dog's still alive, suffering, you know, et cetera. They get it on a stretcher and he's carrying the stretcher to the back of his van. And the camera catches him with this just giant grin on his face, like super big smile. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with the dog or the situation. Right. Cause we're jaded, right. We're in those mm-hmm. situations where we're just like, eh, you know, this is normal. Another, this, it's, yeah, yeah. Another day. It's, yeah. And so emotion, sometimes lo- we lose that in that aspect and that got blown out of proportion. Now, what also didn't help is it took them 90 minutes. The cops were not being nice and letting these people just handle the situation. Hey, get me on the phone. If you feel comfortable, go get a big ass quilt from your house. Right. Wrap yeah. it around the dog. Here's tell where me you're where you're going. To. Yep. Exactly. And so it was handled wrong all in general. But I think, Lauren, exactly that, like our image and and how we're perceived by the public, it has a lot to do with us. And so I think that's the important thing. If you take anything away from today, I, I, I often say this to either new hires or just people I meet. Daniel, outside of a uniform, 
yeah, you don't like, I'm not a likable guy in a lot of ways. I'm just, you know, I just speak a lot of truth and say things that are unfiltered. But when I put that uniform on, now I'm representing my community. I'm representing the sheriff's office. I'm representing, right, the county, the city, et cetera. I'm a different person when I put that uniform on, right? I'm not Daniel the person. I'm Daniel the professional. And that's the, that's where we have to be able to slice ego in half and then say, all right, cool. Like, here's what I'm doing. I'm here for the community, et cetera. And I think that's an absolutely fabulous way to look at it. And I guess what I want people to feel like when they work in this field is that this is a, this is important work and this is, um, and it's work to be proud of. I'm, I'm proud of my career. I am proud of all the work that the, that our group did. I'm proud of my staff. Um, I think that we added a lot to the community that we, um, worked in and I think we should behave accordingly. Um, and, behave with the respect due people that we serve and respect for the animals that we serve and respect for ourselves so that we can't, we don't get called on the carpet for, for some nonsense thing that somebody sees along the way. So, you know, just behave as if you're doing a huge, responsible, meaningful job because you are. And the quality and, yeah, of and I, the quality of yeah. people who are entering our field now is so much higher than it was forty years ago when it you know when I it was a big joke where it was a big joke you know you're not even big, good enough to get elected dog catcher now people are are we you gotta are have a, degrees you gotta yes. literally have a degree to to be in this field now people and are planning to come they're planning to come to yeah. our work that's a great segue to what I was just about to say Lauren and I'm glad you bring that up here's the deal. Like Disney, Hollywood, they're not smart enough or creative enough to just come up with a dog catcher image on its own. That was a representation of what we actually were. Now, was it maybe a little bit exaggerated? Meh, depending, depending. But the reality is like that wasn't their creative genius. They That was a reflection of who they dealt with in their community. And so that's the villain. That's who it came up with. Now you have people coming out of college like uh, my ex-girlfriend, for example, like she wanted to do this job specifically, right? Like this is what she came out of college to do. And I didn't even go to college. You know what I mean? Like this is something that like in that aspect, 10 years before, like you didn't need a college degree and now you do. And so we're seeing people with that passion to do it. You know, I, and Lauren, you, you can say much more with much more accuracy than I, but when I started the people that were in this industry 30 years at that time, they basically took the job because it was a step up from working at the garbage dump right? It was a city job. You got benefits, you got a pension and you didn't need any skills to do it. It was just like, come on down. We'll teach you how to catch dogs. Right. They hand you the keys to the truck and a control stick and said, go do your job. Mm -hmm. And, and that job is so much more intricate now. And it is so much more, um, respected. And now we have training. You just, you may have to look for it, but there is training out there. Um, there are all kinds of resources for you. Uh, there are podcasts like this where it's it's a supportive environment. You are doing good work. And I just want you to have, I just want people who work in our field to take pride in what they're doing and um, and take advantage of all those things that are out there so that they can do an even better job. Because the public is depending on you, the animals are depending on you, um, and the field is depending on you. Be a good representative of us. And the future is depending on you. <laughs> yes. It's all drama all the time over here. Because, <laughs> yeah. So, Bishop, what, like, 
let's get some more takes from you and then and then we're gonna wrap it up more takes for me how oh uh, you're a freaking host yo <laughs> jump in say some shit i've been saying shit stan <laughs> did you just call me stan no, all right dude. cool <laughs> This new host, Stan, with the human... I just... Bishop, I feel like what I've heard from you... And I'm going to be straight up. This is how I'm going to call you out. Okay. I feel like you're you're a little burned out. I feel like you don't want to maybe... And maybe I'm wrong. But you don't want to push it. You're comfortable in what you're doing. And I think that you could do more to engage the community. And oh, if I'm I wrong, absolutely tell me agree. I'm wrong. But that's, that's what I feel like currently. No, I would absolutely agree that there is more that could be done within the community. Um, and in that respect, sure, there could absolutely be some burnout there. Um, this July will be 10 years. I started the program. We never had one in the area. Um, and so I started from scratch, which means I've, I had nothing to go on and I, <laughs> I don't want to say I have no support, but I definitely have very little support. Like I said, even just the, the baseball cards um, was definitely a hit. We have a uh, media guy that is hired not only for our police department, but for citywide. And he said to me the other day, he's like, yeah, I, I got to work on getting some B-roll, but everybody gets frustrated with me because I pretty much have had everybody on camera already. And I wanted, I, I didn't because he's literally my cube mate. Um, I have not been once on any one of his videos. I have not, nothing. He has oh, done wow. nothing wow. with me. And I've asked. And a lot of that I think comes down from his supervisor who's like, oh no, this project is more important. This project's more important. Because I've asked for videos of how to keep, you know, how to teach kids to approach appropriately approach dogs and and bites and you know i've got all these ideas but they won't let me go forward with them and so there's definitely burnout be there frustrating i think i i can i can appreciate that i think what what maybe you can do and we apologize for bishop's connection here she sounds like she's underwater with a snorkel on but she's still getting her point across so appreciate you bishop i will say in 2023 if you have a meeting about like goals in the future of your position bring that stuff up to your super and be serious and, and keep pushing them i mean you have seniority there you've been there a long time i think if they see that drive and ambition they're going to take you up on it and just don't just come at them like, I want to do this and I want to do that. Come at them with, hey, here's what I have and I'm ready to put it into motion. That's the difference. Because if you just come at somebody like without a project in hand that's ready to go, eh, they're less likely to work with you. If you come at somebody like, hey, I have this project. Here's this project. Look at this project. It's ready to be rolled out. When can I roll it out? It's much different than I want to roll it out. I have it ready and it's good to go. Let's go. Put the time and effort in. And drop sure. it like it's hot. Drop yeah, and if like I if hot. I if I could just say, Bishop, I know exactly the situation you're in because I I appreciated your position when I came in. It was very similar. Nobody ever 
considered us worthwhile. But I agree with Dan in that you just keep knocking on that door and you have all of these great ideas and you say, you know, here's what I can do to make it easier for you to get it, you know? Um, and then the other thing I would do is we did a lot of stuff with volunteers, you know, mm -hmm. some of the bigger companies in our area, um, you could approach somebody in their media departments to do the thing you want and then hand them, hand it to them already done. Um, or do a YouTube channel. Or I mean, there are a lot of opportunities out there if they're not going to support you that you can go do it yourself. And sometimes that will spur that person to realize whether it's the higher ups or whatever that's putting the kibosh on it. Oh, well, maybe this, there is some viability here. Maybe there is a reason to, to take a look at it, but, um, I'm tenacious if nothing else. So, um, if you knock on the door long enough and keep it in front of their face long enough, at some point they're going to go, Oh, fine, do it. All right. Yes. Well, this has been a great episode. I love it. Uh, Lauren, we're going to get you back on in 2023 friend of the program. We really appreciate your support, your ideas, your experience. I think just having somebody that A, has been in this industry, and I, I don't mean to say it by calling you old, but for as long as you've been doing it, um, it it's really impressive. And it, it actually is really, I think it's very, I, what's the word I'm looking for, Bishop? You're usually good at this to help me. Uh, I think it's very just honorable for you to to take the time out and and be part of it and share your experiences and so we look forward to getting you back in 2023 and having more episodes with you you've been a great friend of the program and i want to just thank you for that and thank you for all your ideas and this this specific program today was your idea to talk about this stuff so thank you for for bringing that up well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. And I know, I know I'm insane about animal control, but it is truly my passion and I'm, I'm happy to continue doing it. And I can't thank you guys enough that there's a voice out there for people who do this difficult work. It's physically difficult. It's mentally difficult. It's emotionally difficult. And there's not enough support out there for the people who come to work every day, ready to face another one. So thank you guys for giving voice to the people who, you know, we talk about giving voices to the animals who are voiceless. Well, animal control is voiceless in a lot of ways too. So you guys give them an opportunity to be heard and a place to go. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Also, do you want to join me on my next rap? <laughs> if you've ever heard me sing, you would not ask that question. You don't have to sing. You could just be like, you could just do the intro like, yo, 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 this is Laura Malmberg. We out here. <laughs> With Daniel Ettinger, he's about humane, man. He about to spit some knowledge for you fools. Like you could just kick it like that. We'll we'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> oh. well, we we really we really appreciate you, Lauren. We appreciate everyone that's listening. Everyone that has an opinion or feedback, holler. Uh, you can email the show. You can text me. My my number's right there in the show notes. Four one two Pittsburgh. Four one two seven three six six two six three. I'm not shy. That's my personal number. I'm not worried about spam. Lisa Williams calls me at least three or four times a week anyway. My car insurance, we're good. My car, whatever, warranty, it's fine. Lisa, stop calling me if you hear this. <laughs> Check us out. www.humanemain.com. That's humanemain.com. Check that out. We got a lot of stuff going on there. And appreciate y'all listening. Okay, Let, oh. that's dead air. That's, yeah. Let's keep it humane. Humane. Humane.
<laughs> <laughs> What's your main main?